Thank you, Joe. Morning, everybody. You guys excited about Thanksgiving? Yeah, we're, you guys are sort of excited about Thanksgiving, I guess. Is that right? Hey, <laughs> listen, I was reading, um, I was reading a story earlier this, well, a couple of weeks ago, actually, about uh, a turkey farmer. And maybe you read this story as well, but um, apparently this, this turkey farmer's family really, really liked dark meat. And in particular, they liked the drumsticks. So he spent decades, I'm talking decades, working to develop a turkey with additional drumsticks. And he finally was able to breed a turkey, and it had six drumsticks. So he ran down to the coffee shop to tell his fellow, fellow turkey farmers about this breakthrough that he had finally made. He wanted to share the good news with them. And, of course, the turkey farmers, they're all interested in this big development. So they asked him, well, hey, that's great. What's he, take, what's he taste like? And of course, the farmer says, we don't know. We haven't been able to catch him yet. <laughs> hey. Thank you. I, th- <laughs> I think I'm getting a lot of um, some of that... Uh, Charity applause on that one. Anyway, I'm really excited today. And the reason that I'm excited is because the Lord has given me a word. And it's one of these words that was, it's easy for me to, um, it's easy for me to speak because it just, it just came to me. Um, today you and I are going to go on a journey. And during the course of this journey, we're going to go see the Jesus that I call the glorious and returning king. Isn't that awesome? We're going to go see him. Now, during this journey, we're going to kind of wander through what the territory of what I'll call cultural Jesus. And then we're going to spend some time and we're going to look at Jesus the way that you and I typically look at Jesus, a scriptural Jesus. That is the Jesus that is our savior, that prince of peace before we go and we see Jesus, the glorious King. Isn't that cool? I'm excited about this. So we're going to examine Jesus as both the Prince of Peace and the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Why don't you join me as, as, as we go before the Lord in prayer? I just want to pray over this word. Father, it is my privilege to be here in front of your people, Lord. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that every word that I speak, Lord, is spirit-breathed. Lord, I pray for the healer of this, the, the hearer of this word, Lord, that you would prepare their ears to hear the truth that, that is spoken, Lord, that their hearts to, to receive the truth that is spoken today, Lord. Father, I submit every word to you, Lord. I thank you that you are faithful to take it and watch over your word, Lord. Be with me today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Um, thank you for indulging me. Um, today is kind of the Sunday that marks the beginning of holiday season. Okay? During holiday season, we get an opportunity to, to see 
As a matter of fact, we're going to have Jesus sightings. Aren't we? We're going to have Jesus sightings really between now and, and Christmas for sure. This is the season for Jesus sightings. <laughs> Since we're going on a trip, uh, I guess I guess you left that slide in there. <laughs> anyway, we're going on a trip. This this sermon is is for all ages. Okay, let's talk about Jesus. We've all seen this Jesus, the image of Jesus here. As a matter of fact, uh, baby Jesus is going to be prevalent during this season. See him a lot. Here's the awesome interior lighted holy family. We see this one quite a bit during the season. Classic Jesus. As a matter of fact, probably a lot of you might have this image of Jesus somewhere in your house. Or maybe this one. Or maybe this one. They're kind of like this Jesus. Got the got the rays emanating from behind his head. And of course we get the chance to see this Jesus as well. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm not here to talk to you this morning and say that any of the images of Jesus that I've just flashed up on these overheads are bad. Okay? They're not wrong. Don't get me wrong. As a matter of fact, when we, when we decorated our house, we're going to put baby Jesus out in the nativity scene. Okay? And, and when we leave our house, we have an image that's very similar to one of those those images of Jesus that I've that I flashed up here on the screen, we have it right by our front door, and so I, I see Jesus as we leave our house. So I'm not telling you this is not to bring condemnation that this these images of Jesus are bad. Let me tell you what is bad though, church. What is bad is that these images of Jesus are so often re- received without a biblical context without scriptural understanding, without spirit-breathed revelation of who Jesus truly is. In other words, this is cultural Jesus that we're looking at here. And the culture would say, would look at these images of Jesus and they would say, well, this is Jesus that doesn't require a decision. This is Jesus without consequences. This is Jesus that is not does not demand a choice that is not recognized as the Son of God. It's just an image to most people. This is particularly true in the developed countries. The United States is one. But we look at Jesus, so many of us, we look at Jesus, and we don't see that Jesus, as we look at the image, is the way. But our culture says that this image of Jesus is just one of many ways. Little w. Does that make sense? Matter of fact, when you look at this Jesus, and this is what's wrong with this Jesus, is that people begin to reduce Jesus to just a man. Without understanding of who Jesus truly is, people begin to reduce Jesus to just somebody that lived a couple of millennia ago. They begin to reduce Jesus to somebody that lived just a man And he lived over there in Asia Minor. 
What's that got to do with me? You see, when you reduce Jesus to the point of just being a man, what happens is the, the culture begins to, to, to lie to even us who believe. And we begin to see influence and, and hear influences. As a matter of fact, when I look at cultural Jesus, one of the things that I did in preparation for this message is I went out and I did a Google search, okay? And I searched Google News, and I just typed in Jesus. And I received about 35,000 responses, news items containing Jesus. I did the same thing for our president, and I got eight times as many responses. That's one thing that's wrong, because we're talking about Jesus, who is a returning king. Amen. Thank you. Um, but here's the thing that's really a problematic about cultural Jesus, particularly for us. When I went out and I did that new search about Jesus, one of the things that I had to do is I had to sift through all of this mess. It's terrible. Matter of fact, I felt like I wanted to take a shower after looking at cultural Jesus in the news. First thing you have to do is you kind of have to sift through the Jesus that appears on the burnt piece of fish stick, the Jesus image. That's big news. Or the Jesus image that appears in a dirty pickup truck. All true. This is what you see when you go out and you look for news about Jesus. Then apparently, and something that I found out is, I guess Madonna's boyfriend is named Jesus. So i got to sort through all of that stuff, get rid of all that. And then you get all of the Latin American news about Jesus, the soccer star. So we got to take that out of the way. And then when you finally do find some news about Jesus, when you do this search, and like I say, I wouldn't recommend it because it's not for the thin-skinned. But when you finally get there, what you're finding out is you see Jesus and he's portrayed in our culture, even at churches. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's, a, there's a church in California right now who's running a play, and the play depicts Jesus as a gay man. All right? There's a play that's running in Great Britain right now, and in that play, Jesus is depicted as a transsexual. This is tough, church. For you and I as believers, it's hard to see that. It's hard to even read these news stories. Like I said, I, I felt like I needed to, to take a shower after I looked through this. But you know what? The Scriptures are very clear. We are living in a day that the Scriptures told us about. As a matter of fact, Jesus told us about this day that we're living in. It's an awesome day. But Jesus told us that in that day, there will be mockers. There will be a spirit of Antichrist that comes upon the world. I'm going to read to you out of Second Peter 3, verses 3 and 4. You don't need to turn there. I'll just read it for you. It says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, 
Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So Peter was telling, uh, telling us in this epistle that people are going to say, hey, it's operation normal. It's business is normal. This is just business as usual. Jesus is not coming back. And I'm here to tell you today, church, Jesus is coming back. And it's going to be an awesome thing. As a matter of fact, Matthew, in Matthew 24, verses 12 and 13, Jesus tells his disciples, as, as they're asking Jesus, tell us about these last days. When will the end come? And Jesus says this, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. This is Jesus responding. And I think when he says the love of many will grow cold, what he's telling us is that not only the love of people towards Jesus, which is what we're seeing now, but the love of people towards each other as well. It will grow cold during these times. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Sound familiar? We're talking about not only a Jesus that doesn't require a response, that doesn't have any scriptural context, but people completely turning away from Jesus and embracing science. Science. Okay. Paul also wrote in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, talking about the great and glorious day of the return of the Lord, will not come unless the falling away comes first. The man of sin is revealed and the son of perdition. So there's, these are the times that we're living in right now. Don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, as you walk through our culture and you see these things. And don't be discouraged because we're going to get to a point where I'm going to encourage you about Jesus who's coming back. But I want you to be aware that this is the cultural, this is the culture's idea of Jesus. Let's transition a little bit and let's consider the scriptural, a, a, a scriptural picture of Jesus. I appreciate Pastor Allen's message of a few weeks ago. And in his message, he described what, what he called a biblical paradox. And that is that we see things in the Bible, and on the one hand, they're described this way. And on the other bank, they're described this way. And through the middle of it runs what we would call the river of truth. And that's where we're at with Jesus. I want to talk about Jesus, the child who, very shortly, we're going to uh, celebrate his birth, the child that was born to be called Emmanuel, that is, God with us. Isn't that awesome? Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Jesus, the Jesus that desires to have a relationship with me. And you, 
the Jesus that was that was sent to earth to be the very embodiment of God's love and grace and mercy to a sinful world and even a sinner like me. So let's spend some time thinking about this Jesus a little bit before we go on to the other side. You know, in in the Gospel of John, in chapter 13, and it continues on into 14, Jesus has just broken the news to his disciples that he's going to go away and he's going to be crucified. And after he's crucified, he truly is going away. And he tells his disciples that this is what's going to happen. And Peter stands up and says, no, Jesus, say it's not so. And Jesus sits with the disciples and says, yes, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go away, and where I go, you cannot follow right now. But trust in me, trust in my Father who sent me, because I'm going to a place, and when I go to my Father's place, I'm going to prepare a place for each and every one of you. Isn't that awesome? That's good news for us. You know, as, as, as people, there's so many times that we're, we're told, no matter what you're dealing with, we're told that there's no room for us. There's no room at the end. There's no room in this organization. Okay? There's no room in this building for you. Jesus told us that he is going to prepare a place, and there will be room. Trust Jesus on this one. Isn't that awesome? This is the same Jesus, scriptural Jesus, that after he was, after he died and came back, to spend some time with the disciples, the first thing that he did, and this is one of the most poignant illustrations of of relational Jesus to me that there is, we see at the end of the Gospel of John, we see Jesus seek out Peter, who had denied him three times. And he seeks out Peter, and as a matter of fact, he goes on, and, and he he looks across the lake, and Peter says, you know, Peter was just saying, hey, I'm, I'm going fishing. I don't know what else to do. And he goes, and he seeks out Peter, and he tells Peter how to fish. Peter lets out his net, and he catches a boatload of fish. And in the interim, while Peter is coming back to the shore, Jesus has knelt down, and he's started a fire, and he's cooking breakfast for Peter. And then, and then there's this wonderful dialogue that takes place between Peter and Jesus. And it's, a, it's, it's such a dialogue of, of love and forgiveness that I, I think we need to be reminded of that from time to time, that, that this scriptural Jesus is a Jesus that wants to have that personal relationship with each and every one of you, and, and with me as well. Isn't that awesome? As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, where Jesus is revealed, he states, Behold, I'm going to stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'm going to go in and I'm going to eat with him. 
Now, maybe you're here today, church, or somebody in this room, or somebody that's listening to this message on, on, um, on a download, an MP3, or a CD. Maybe you're listening to this message and you've never thought about Jesus in this way. You never thought about Jesus as being a personal Jesus. I'm here to tell you that he is. And if that's you, you're going to have an opportunity at the end of this service to respond to Jesus as he calls you. I want you to have that opportunity. There is room for you because Jesus said he would make room for you. Amen? All right. Let's go to the other bank of this scriptural truth that we're looking at today. Let's just jump right in there. River of truth. Let me tell you how this this message came to be. Marietta (coughs) thinks that I'm a little bit strange, but for years I've had this open vision. And what I wanted to do during this open vision is, is I wanted to have the opportunity to introduce Jesus. And here's the way I kind of think about it. Guys, you'll remember back in the day when heavyweight boxing was a big deal. I'm talking about the day of the wide world of sports. Howard Cosell, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, Joe Frazier. I mean, these were bouts. I mean, they were built up big time. Remember that? That was an awesome time. It was a golden era of boxing in my mind. And the hype would build up and build up and build up. I mean, it was hype city. And it almost culminated when the boxers finally got into the ring and that ring announcer would, the the microphone would come down. I don't even know where that microphone would come from, but it would come from, it was almost like heaven. And it would just, remember that? The microphone would come down, you know, and that ring announcer would grab that microphone And these guys, I mean, this is the end of, it might be weeks or months of hype. And that ring announcer would would proceed to say, in this corner, and and then he would turn and he would say, in this corner. And I've had this this vision that I wanted to, I wanted to do that same thing for Jesus. And, And here's the way I kind of think about it, is I think about that microphone coming down and, I would say something along the lines of, in this corner, it's the devil. Or, in this corner, it's evil. Or, in this corner, it's temptation. We'll just dismiss it. And in this corner, he hails from Galilee. He weighs in at a mighty 145 pounds. He's awesome. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He has never been defeated. He will never be defeated. It's Jesus. 
and it would be awesome, and everybody would go wild. And then I found out that, that uh, I guess my idea had already been done. So, Garlene, if you can go ahead and play that video, we'll take a look at it. Of bringing out Christ. This is just how I would do it. It ain't got to be the way you do it. You might not think it's just right, but this is how I would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hailed out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the rose of Sharon, and some say he's the prince of peace. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. <laughs> Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> he has a headshot on every church fan in America. That's awesome. Anyway, so Steve Harvey kind of had my idea, and I guess what happened with that is that T.D. Jakes, he, he, he told T.D. Jakes about this idea, and T.D. Jakes invited him to do that at the Potter's House. And so that's what you're seeing right there, that introduction. It's awesome. And it made a difference, my understanding. Now, I haven't been able to verify this, but I guess it's made a real big difference in, in, in Steve Harvey's life, just that introduction, that recognition of Jesus. He's beginning to try to walk out a true relationship with Christ Jesus. So let's look at some of the things that Steve Harvey and, uh, and, and what the Scriptures say about Jesus the returning and glorious king. Turn in your Bibles, if you don't mind, 
Let's go to Colossians, the first chapter of Colossians. While you're turning there, we're going to read in verses uh, 13 through 20. We're going to talk about Jesus, the creator. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is the creator. Isn't that awesome? He is. This is a great passage to share with your with your friend or neighbor who might be a Mormon. Because they are not quite getting their head around who Jesus is in regards to being the creator. So this is a good one for them. Read along with me. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Can you imagine that? Did you know that the word said that all things are created by him and for him? It's awesome. Jesus is awesome. Church? Thank you for your amen. Let's go to another scriptural reference, and and you don't have to turn there. It's a short one, but let me skip through that. Jesus is our high priest. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is our high priest. Hebrews 7. But he, that is Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for him. Did you know that Jesus is making intercession for us right now? Yes, you did. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, Jesus is separate from sinners and has become higher than the heavens. Isn't that an awesome passage? Jesus is the glorious king. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is the glorious king. Matthew 25. Verses 31 through 34. This is a continuation of the citation that I gave you earlier about the disciples wanting to know about what's going to happen in the end times. And so Jesus tells them and testifies to this very thing. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Jesus will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. I love this next passage. He will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. 
Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Awesome promise made by Jesus. Awesome promise. You guys got it yet? (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. (laughs) In Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, we find out that Jesus is, is alive. We see a picture of Jesus that a lot of times we don't hear preached much anymore. But I want to just read the, 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 the last part of this passage. And when I saw him, there we go. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of a death. Now, this, this is an awesome passage here. And the reason it's an awesome passage is this. Jesus is being presented as, as I mean, if you look in the paragraph before that on the slide, Jesus is being presented and pictured and illustrated in all his glory. This is truly King Jesus that we're seeing here. And John, who is experiencing this revelation, falls down. And this personal Jesus, who is still the king of glory, puts his hand on John and says, don't be afraid. Isn't that awesome? The king of glory, but still a very personal Jesus. This is the Jesus that you and I know. We're blessed. Wake up. Yep. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you. (laughs) Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written on it that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, Followed him on a white horse, on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Oops.
Church, I was going to actually read you an illustration of what it will be like on that day when Jesus returns again. And I think I'm not going to do that today. I want you to know one thing. That Jesus told us that he's coming again. And on that day when he returns, it's going to be a day like no other. When we see Jesus return, everything that you're concerned about today ain't going to matter anymore. Okay? I'm telling you that for the first time, and, 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 and if you see Jesus as he returns in the clouds, or if you see Jesus because your physical body has has expired on you and you go to see Jesus, that's going to be the first time, brothers and sisters, that you stand in the very presence of perfection. You are going to experience perfect holiness. You're going to experience perfect judgment. You're going to experience for the first time perfect love. And it's going to be an awesome time. And this is what's promised for each and every one of us as we receive Jesus. Now, how do we respond to all of this? How do we respond to all of this? Because there's got to be a response. There's got to be a response. In a few verses in Luke 2, we see a story about a man named Simeon. And this man, the word says that Simeon had, had revelation given to him by the Holy Spirit. This revelation that was given to him said, you are going to see Jesus. You're going to see the salvation of Israel. And so the word says that he was waiting for the salvation of Israel. He was waiting for Jesus. And he was being led by the Spirit, as a matter of fact. And so when, Je- when Jesus' family went up to the temple to offer up the cleansing sacrifice after Jesus was born, the word says that Simeon took a right turn being led by the Holy Spirit And he went to the temple so that he could see Jesus. And so it is with us. That word that, that is translated for us waiting for the, for, for Jesus in the Greek is a word called prosdekamai. Dekamai is the root word for waiting. Pros means that he was forward. So we could translate that, that what Simeon was doing was waiting forwardly for Jesus. And that's how you and I should be responding today. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you that we ought to be waiting forwardly for the appearing of the glorious King because he's coming. Everything that we encounter today, everything that we see in our culture 
We need to weigh in the context of the fact that Jesus is coming back. You have a responsibility to live a life of anticipation because you know that Jesus is coming back. You ought to be led by the Holy Spirit. You ought to be a reflection of that forward waiting that comes because we know that Jesus is coming back. When people see you, they ought to see Jesus. They ought to see a joy and a peace on you that is unrivaled in the world. Because you know what? You are waiting forward. You're waiting for Jesus, and he is coming back. You have that promise. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome to me. Awesome to me, anyway. So that's how we respond. We can also respond in another way. And that is, in the closing verses of the Bible, actually, Jesus says, in the, in the verse next to the last in the entire word, Jesus says, surely I am coming quickly. And John, as he's recording this revelation, turns and he says, Amen, so be it. Come, Lord Jesus. He's in agreement. And we ought to be in agreement too. We see these things going on in the world. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen? That's our response. That's our response. Andy, you can go ahead and put on some ministry music. What I want to do now is I want to go ahead and close this word and give you a chance, you a chance to respond to the word that that we've heard. If I could get the ministry team to come forward. While they're coming forward, church, I just want to say a couple of things. Maybe you heard this word, and this is the first time that you heard that Jesus has made a place for you in heaven. And that Jesus desires a, a personal relationship with you. Maybe that's the first, this is the first time you've heard that. I want you to come forward and pray with some of these people. Receive that place in heaven. This is your day. Maybe you've heard this word and you say, you know, Greg, I haven't been, I haven't been living that life of forward waiting that I should be living. I haven't been living that life that would be a testimony not only to myself but to others. I haven't been living that life that would evidence that Jesus is on the throne of my heart. And if that's you, I want you to come come forward and, and receive prayer. And let's put Jesus back on the throne of your heart. Or maybe you have somebody in your family or a neighbor that you know needs Jesus. And you just want somebody to stand in agreement in prayer with you and say, you know what? I'm believing that that person is going to receive Jesus. If that's you, I want you to come forward and let's pray together. Go ahead and come. You can go ahead and respond. While these, while these people are responding, church, if you don't feel like you need to respond, that's fine. 
What I want you to do is I want you to leave this place today, and I want you to be reassured. I want you to be encouraged that Jesus has made a place for you, that Jesus is a glorious king, and that Jesus is your king. I want you to be able to leave this place today, and I want you to live a life of testimony to that very fact. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to pronounce a blessing over you, the body, and at that time you'll be dismissed. I want you to have a blessed Thanksgiving. Enjoy it with your family. Let me just pronounce this blessing. Lord, bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Thank you, church.